Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. How are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I just, uh, like I said, I had to pop to the shops to get my daughter some new shoes because she came home and the sole was like completely detached. I was like, what have you been doing? She goes, oh, I was playing basketball. Yeah. Ah, okay. Ah, good, 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 good. Now, that's what happens with, with kids. You go through a lot of stuff within the shoes, clothes, all sorts. <laughs> yeah, um, and it needs it always needs fixing like straight away you're not allowed to wait until the weekend it needs fixing now <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely good 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 so yeah thanks for coming on to to speak uh, to speak to us on this on this podcast it was actually sharon do you know sharon um, yeah i know sharon griffin yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is, of course i mean i had already uh you on the radar to sort of speak uh you know to catch up on the podcast but then sharon said oh look i've got this uh sean she will be absolutely perfect for the podcast <laughs> and i said oh, of course i know <laughs> i know her already she's doing amazing things in in property and uh you know networking and teaching so yeah it's absolutely amazing you seem to have uh, your hands full in all sorts of things, teaching and property and all that. So be good to capture all of that on the podcast to inspire lots of people, which is your okay. mission, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So do you want me yeah. to talk about those things? Uh, yeah. So I think uh, initially, uh, yeah, let's um, I tend to sort of um, do this as a chronological order of your sort of journey. Uh, you know, from humble beginnings and then school and family and then how you got into, um, you know, your teaching, entrepreneurship, property, and then going on to the vision. So I think that works quite well to sort of, uh, you know, bring that out for people so they can get to see also if they can relate to your journey, can inspire them to say, wow, you know, Shona comes from this background similar to mine and she's managed to achieve these amazing things so there's probably hope for me as well so actually that helps helps people so yeah if you take us through that um background of yours from humble beginnings to up to now and then we can pick in between like the challenges the successes and then we just chat about things yeah Mm -hmm. okay from the very beginning from when i was a child where are you where grew up yeah okay Cool. Absolutely, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my name's Shona, and I grew up in East London, in Newham, mm. uh, with my mom, my dad. I have two brothers and a sister. Um, so it was always quite a busy household. Um, uh, went to school. Everything was fine in school. Actually, school was quite hard um, because I'm dyslexic, but I was never diagnosed in school. Um so like recently my friend found some old books of ours i don't know why she had my spelling book from primary school um (laughs) but every week we used to get a spelling test of 10 spellings and if you saw my thing i only maybe got one right every week and that is 
yeah, that used to really upset me and make me feel really rubbish. But after a while, I just got used to it. That I always knew I was going to fail at that. So <laughs> I just got around it, just kept going. Um, I'm a, I didn't, it didn't really affect me in school too much because I always like to please the teacher. I'm, mm. My daughter makes fun of me. She says I'm like the teacher's pet. I always wanted to get the answers right. So I always worked hard. Um, I, yeah, I finished school. Uh, I wanted to be an actress when I was younger. So I went to college to do performing arts. Um, what was funny actually is my head teacher, he was a new head teacher, but he came to speak to me and he said, what are you going to do at college? And I said, performing arts. And he said, why are you going to waste your life? Mm. And he was like, you've got good results. And I was really, I was, I didn't understand because he just turned his school into a performing arts school. But yet he was telling me I was wasting my life doing performing arts. So I was really confused. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Then I went on to college. Um, yeah, I did performing arts. I did my first dance class. And my teacher told me I was really good. I'd never danced before. And they asked me to do A-level dance. I was like, what? That's weird. Mm -hmm. um, so I got into that. And while I was at college, I learned how to edit films, which is why I'm able to do my uh, YouTube channel, because I learned how to edit then. Um, and then I went to uni. I No, sorry. Before I went to uni, I, I was supposed to go to uni in Leeds. But I was really scared to move away from home. Like, I feel like that's quite a difficult step. Um, so I didn't go to Leeds. I ended up working for my college when I left, but they linked up with the university. So I became a learning mentor for um, a young person who had MS. Um, so I supported her through her course. And then after a year, I thought, you know what, I need to do my course. So I did the same course I just helped her with uh, for one year, but I was I was bored. It was like I was doing it for the second time. Yeah. So then I moved to Doncaster. So I moved up to South Yorkshire. Uh, that was quite hard because I'm from East London, which is very multicultural, but mm. Doncaster at the time was not multicultural at all and I just found that really really weird I'd never <laughs> been in such a place where everyone was the same <laughs> it was weird. I didn't like it um and strange, also strange environment for you mm -hmm. yeah it was and some people would make some racist comments around me and I had to challenge them which was quite difficult um and they didn't understand why I was challenging them because they're like, it's not about you. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's okay. So that was quite difficult. Um, I nearly quit uni because of that, because mentally it was hard. Uh, also, because I did BTEC in school, doing a, a degree was very, very challenging. The first few months learning how to write an essay was really, really hard. Um, and I nearly failed, but I had a really good teacher who worked with me one-to-one uh, -one quite a lot and she helped me improve my work. And once you've learned how to do it, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, I nearly quit at the beginning, basically. Um, so yeah, I went to Doncaster, then I moved, where did I move to? 
I had a girlfriend at the time who lived in Hackney, so I moved to Hackney, which is still East London. Yeah. Um, I've lived in lots of different places in East London. <laughs> um, so East London is like your home, isn't it? Yeah, it so, is. Yeah, even mm. though now I live in Thurrock, which is just outside East London, I yeah. feel like most people that live in East London gradually move further and further Fair east. Around. It's the same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I used to work for a charity and I used to work in after school clubs. So when kids, I used to pick kids up from school, take them to the club and we'd play board games, we'd make them a snack, um, we'd do art projects and stuff like that. Um, but that wasn't bringing me in enough money. That was like three hours a week yeah and so the charity also ran events so part of my job on the weekend i did this while i was at uni as well i'd come home on the weekends we used to put up bouncy castles and marquees and stages wow. yeah so they'd run fun days um so i i enjoyed that i love i sounds weird i really love manual labor like <laughs> building things and doing things um hmm. so yeah we'd have to load the van at like 5 a.m and then we pack up at like midnight, loading the van again. It was, I loved it, but it was hard work. And um, I said to the charity, I said, look, I can't keep only working three hours a week on the weekdays, yeah. it's not enough money. So they asked me to cover for a member of staff in the education project because she was going off for three weeks because she was sick. Mm -hmm. um, so I covered for one day and then they said to me, oh, we want to make you permanent. We want to keep you. And I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> good, good, good. Mm -hmm. So I worked there. And after about three months, because they had, I was working in the special needs education project, but then there was a main education project as well. And yeah. they said to me, basically they made us all redundant because they were making this project join the other project and everyone had to reapply for their jobs. Um, and not everybody could reapply because they didn't have enough qualifications. Yeah. So suddenly I became in charge of this group, but that wasn't on purpose. That's just how it worked out. How it happened, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to the head teacher, I said, I don't mind being in charge of this group, but if I'm going to be a teacher, I want to, I want to do a good job, so I want to get qualified. So they agreed, and so they paid for me to go do my PGCE. Okay, good. And then uh, I did all my teaching qualifications there, and I gradually worked with more and more groups. So I used to teach the kids how to make films, and that's what we used to do. Um, and then I went from there. Then I was teaching them dance. I've taught lots of different subjects. And eventually I became the curriculum manager, which means I'm in charge of all the other teachers. Um, and I decide what we deliver across the entire school. And now I'm doing my head teacher qualification uh, because my big goal is that I want to start my own alternative provision yeah. um, where it's a bit more about entrepreneurship. I sometimes refer to it as the property school because yeah. people remember that. But it's not just about property. It will be about vocational learning in general and mm -hmm. about teaching kids about finance and budgeting so that they can actually succeed with money in the future yeah. and, yeah, possibly start their own businesses in whatever they're passionate. I really believe that if you're passionate about something, then you will do well. 
Like, yeah. I don't think parents should push their kids to study whatever they like. It's like, let people follow their own ambitions and they will succeed, I think. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's always the distinction because what happens is um, obviously, you know, when you look at money and wealth, it's something that most people, you know, aspire to because it gives you a lot of choices in life. But mm -hmm. um, the distinction comes at the point when you're pursuing something that you like, but obviously that particular thing you're pursuing, you enjoy it and it's your passion, but it can't actually make you or build your worth. So people will tend to gravitate towards uh, that can be make me wealthy or it can be make it can make me money. Then I have mm -hmm. to go and do something else that makes me money. But I, I always say to people, that's not necessarily the right way because you can use specialist people and specialist advice to actually build wealth while you pursue the thing that you like. So, for example. If I'm looking, let's say I love maybe um, maybe charity work, you know, like you are doing, maybe helping people, but obviously you don't make a you know a lot of money there. I can use some of my time or some of the experience that I may have built, or even some money that I may have come across, and invest that with people who, let's say, they provide hands-free property investing. I just put my money in there. So I'll be building wealth and thing using special, um, uh, you know, specialist skills and knowledge of other people. So that's where you leverage. So you can get both sides. You pursue something that you like, but on the other side, you're also building wealth because you're leveraging other people. And that's mm -hmm. what I always tell people. And that's what I do. Like uh, in 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 our, uh, you know, what what we have as businesses, we offer hands-free property investing for people. Uh, so we've got a, a sourcing business, the refer business and the letting agency. So it's all there. So you have these people like in the city, you know, where they're doctors and bankers and things. They are absolutely passionate about their jobs and they love it. But they also want to build wealth and things, but they don't want to leave that. So they just give us the money. We build portfolios and wealth and things for them while they st still pursue their their. Uh, things of their dreams and work and things. So it's all, it's always the case that people, if they are not aware of that concept that they can have both worlds, they will tend to move and see, oh, maybe Sean is doing property and making money. I should go and do the same and then leave the things that they are passionate about. And then they find that, you know, property is hard and they, they can't pursue it or they are not so much there, but they want to enjoy the money and thing that comes with it. So yeah, that that that's that's what I would say. So you're absolutely right. People need to pursue the things that that they like. So don't you know work or do something for the money because you can find specialist things that will make you the money. But pursue something you like just for the passion and mm -hmm. the thing that you like about it. So yeah, it's that distinction. So. It's absolutely right, you know, what, what you teach people. But you will find they say, ah, maybe I like dancing or I like this, but I'm not going to become rich, you know, doing that because it's, it's not uh, going to make the money. But it doesn't matter. Just look at other creative ways you can use with other people. So that, that's what I would say. So, yeah, interesting, amazing journey. So at, at what point did you get to discover, get, diagnosed with the dyslexia then 
Um, I was about 21. Um, yeah. And I always I always knew that I w- couldn't spell. <laughs> and, mm. But dyslexia, when I was younger, it wasn't – people didn't really talk about it as much as they do yeah. now. Um, so when I was at uni, that's when I, I said it to my teacher that I thought that I was. And I guess because my teacher was help. I remember I said she was helping me with my work. So I think they yeah. could see it once I pointed it out. Uh, and then I got told that if I was diagnosed, I would get a free laptop. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I said, all right, send me for the test then. That's quite an incentive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went for the test and... Mm. It was about a three-hour discussion of mini tests. Um, and when I left, he told me I was dyslexic. And he also told me I had ADD, attention deficit disorder. Mm. And that hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah. Um, so when I went back to my room, I lived in halls when I was at uni. I went and Googled ADD about what it was. And it was really weird. It was like I was reading my life on the screen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really weird, like all the things about how I can't hold my attention for very long. I always interrupt people when they're talking, not on purpose or to be rude, but because I'm just trying to engage in the conversation. Um, I can stay focused when it's something I'm really into. I can get really zoned in, but that it's quite difficult to do that. Um, There were other things, but... I actually felt a bit sad for about a week because I felt I'm quite a bubbly personality, which yeah. I always was quite unique. But when I was reading it on the screen, I was like, oh, it's not my personality. It's because I've got ADD. And um, that was weird. I didn't like yeah. it. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> but I mean, the, the thing is, um, every personality, whatever it is, is unique. I mean, if you look at, on on uh, on the planet, there's over seven billion people, none the same. And the thing is, I had this uh, discussion with Dr. John DiMartini. I don't know you probably know him, the human behavior specialist, and studying about humans, human behavior, and why we are or do certain things. Um, and uh, if you if you take everything out there, who is to say what is right and what is wrong? What is normal and what's not? Because everything can be different. But there is just amazing energy in each individual personality because that's what comes out. Because we're all here to, you know, essentially do different things and just be our authentic self in a way. And, you know, it's just amazing even with that for you, uh, like the ADD and the dyslexia. Look at the amazing things you're doing, how you're impacting people, you know, whether that's a, a result of that. But for me, I just see it as that's your space. That's how unique you are. That's your personality. And that's what comes out. And you can impact people in any particular area and section with what you have. And everyone can do that, whether they are a super genius or they are, you know, someone weird or like they are an Elon Musk or Bezos or whoever. Everyone has got a different story to tell. And uh, you, you just have to take each one as unique in its own right. Not that everyone has to be this way or some people have to be that way. You know, you will probably find a certain percentage out in a particular zone. But uh, yeah, for me, there's, there's absolute 
uniqueness and magic almost in every individual story. And, uh, you know, like I say, observing, you know, the things that you do, you know, like on the, um, the, the Zooms and the networking events that you do, you know, how your personality comes and how you impact people and everyone is just drawn to you. That's like a natural sort of, whether it's talent, but it just comes through, not something that you have learned or studied in school, but it's just you as a person. You know, not you know, no one can copy and become Shona. You know, <laughs> you are just yes, you. Yes, that's so. You're gonna make me cry. That sounds so lovely. Thank you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. You know, there's no school or anything anyone can go to become you, and that's what amazing. What's amazing about life, and everyone should just pursue who they are as well and make their own amazing world because people will gravitate towards the people that we relate to, and so it you know goes deeper into you know like bob proctor talk about vibration and you know we are all at a particular frequency and uh, you can relate to people who you see maybe are on a similar frequency to you not that you are the same but the mindset and the thinking and the journey sometimes can be uh, on the same level with people that that you relate to that can happen but within that people can still be the unique individual self as well so that's what amazing uh, you know that's what's amazing about people and you find that as well all the people that you speak to your networking you've got quite a big group when you identify when you look at different people there you see they've got different sets of skills some are probably, you know, organizers. They are really good at organizing people. Some can speak, others can do all sorts. And that's what makes the world amazing because by the time we each do different things, we manage to achieve everything that needs to be done because, you know, someone will do this, the other will do something else, and someone else will do something. And that, that's what's amazing. Not that we should follow you know, people to say, oh, I have to be someone because that's, that's uh, you know, I, li I like to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. amazing. <laughs> I think I only, I'm still realizing that, like, more recently. So mm. when I started getting into property, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to do property. Like, I really wanted to. So then I started learning about it, um, and I became, like, a client sourcer because yeah. I was what everyone says when you get into property become a saucer make some money and then you can yeah. get your own property right or they say start with rent to rent one of the mm. two yeah so i became a saucer but i had no idea how hard it was like it's so hard to actually yeah. find a deal um yeah so i still have a sourcing company i've never sold a deal because they are <laughs> so hard to find um but what I found drawn to was the the networking and connecting with people. And yeah, I started my Facebook group uh, last year in the summer. Um, and I gradually built that up with people that were, like you say, I guess they were drawn to me. It's yeah. really, it, I didn't really understand what I was doing at the time. The reason I set up my Facebook group is because I'd already paid for two uh property courses and obviously they're not cheap um and i thought to myself i can't afford to keep paying for more courses but there's there's more to learn um but i thought surely if i connect with other people that have maybe yeah. done one course and we all share what we've learned then we can all grow together that was my my idea um 
So that's why I built my group, Heading for Property Success. It's called that because I'm doing my head teacher qualification. So I was like, I'm yeah. heading for property success. Um, and slowly I built that up. I don't have loads of people. I think I've got about 300 people in my group. Um, oh, and then I, it's all right. It's not bad. Um, and then on Sundays I started doing free networking for everyone in my group. So I had about 15 to 20 people every Sunday. And then I was getting some regulars. Some people would come once a month. And yeah. that was really nice. We like built like this uh, community this little family of that we knew we could touch base and that was really good because property is scary it can be lonely and it's nice to just talk to real people about how it's going rather than just watching the people on the internet who are like yeah it's amazing look i just got these keys it's like but there's a there's a whole journey before you get those keys and that i think is way more important of learning about that then knowing that you've just got your first deal, like well done, but how did you get mm -hmm. there? What can you help? How can you help others? Um, so I was doing that, uh, but I've cut back on that because now I just started my paid networking event, which has guest speakers. So it's yeah. different for like <clears throat> other networking events, um, and it has speed networking, and that's what I'm trying to do now. But it's it's very hard because um, there are many networking events, and mm -hmm. some of them well established got much bigger budgets than i do ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see you know listening to your your story because you know on a path to success or when you're heading anywhere um there's there's most of the time there's there's, there's two well essentially two outcomes you can achieve success but um you can also learn how to do it, but you can do the right things without knowing that that is the process of doing the right things. So mm -hmm. the reason I'm saying that is, um, you know, there is uh, like in the in the process, well, you know, there's a, like a, a course and a mentorship that I do. In the process of implementation, there's like four stages. You know, you have the euphoria stage like at the stage when you don't know anything and you're seeking to to get knowledge for example so let's say people they say okay i don't i, I want to do property at that point they have you know conscious incompetence so they understand they want to do property but they don't know what is in property what they can do so maybe they go to a course and they understand there's discussing there's a rent to rent there's an essay there's all sorts now they know what there is but they don't know how to do it and then they maybe go and pick, maybe it's deal sourcing, they go and learn more about it and so on and so forth. But within the processes of the euphoria to the epiphany and then the building momentum and becoming excellent, there's missing pieces that actually help you. And in the inspiration stage, when you know like what's your wonderfully compelling reason that you want to do something, uh, and also honing in on your unique blueprint of what you want to achieve. Then it becomes to build the momentum, you need the feedback, accountability, the support and the tribe. So listening to your story, how you build a tribe of people to support each other because you give each other account accountability as well. Whether you did that consciously or not consciously, but you're heading towards success by doing the things that people who are aware of it teach and get people to do but you're doing it probably at a subconscious level but doing the right things 
without actually knowing. So at, at, at a certain point, you realize, oh, I've actually been doing the right thing, like building a network. And then people come in there, they become accountable. And then it's a tribe or like a mastermind where they share ideas and then they go and, and do things together. That's all amazing stuff. That's all advanced stuff that people go and really? learn. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, people, you, you know, when you look at people who are doing masterminds and coaching, this is the stuff that they, they give people. They give them a tribe where it's like-minded people with the same mindset. They come and they talk about things. If you read, uh, you've probably read the book, you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. You know, he talks yeah. about the power of the tribe and the mastermind. And that's exactly what you're doing. So setting up that Facebook group, you know, people will come every Sunday, you know. If there's tasks or things that they are doing, they will come and talk about there. So that gives them a bit of a boost and momentum saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. And then they yeah. see someone who is maybe achieving or doing some things and better. They want to go and challenge themselves to say, next week I want to turn up at Shona's uh, event and I can say I've done A, B, C, D, and all of that. And that, without realizing, is actually pushing them slowly by slowly towards success. So yeah. you're absolutely heading in the right direction. So it's just amazing. Some people, they go missing. Like I don't see them for a while. So then I, oh, yeah. I message them. And I think people get surprised. I'm like, oh, I noticed you haven't been around for a few weeks. Are you mm -hmm. okay? And then sometimes they'll be like, oh, I'm not really doing much property right now. I feel like I would be like wasting people's time if I came. Right. And I said, no, yeah. it's fine. Like just maybe you just need to let off some steam about this is yeah. how you're feeling or like it doesn't even need to be about property. Like I just think, yeah. And um, what am I trying to say? Business is hard. Yeah. And I think when you start getting into property and you're on Facebook pages, you get all these shiny pennies of all these other things you could do. And I don't care which one you're doing. You can still come to my networking event and tell me what you're working on. And yeah. I was interested. I love to learn. I love to find out what people are doing, how they got there, how I could learn to do something similar. So everyone's welcome. It doesn't matter if you're doing something completely different to what I'm doing. I just I just love learning. That sounds so yeah. crazy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it's brilliant because, I mean, if, if you look at why certain people will probably not, not come some weeks or, or, or so, they'll probably think, oh, I haven't done anything. You know, maybe I'm going to look stupid or, you know, other people are more successful than me. They're doing things. So, oh, I won't make it. You know, I won't go this, this this week or this month or whatever. But if you create that environment that it doesn't really matter what they're doing, <clears throat> just come. Even if they don't speak, they just listen to what other people are doing. Every single time, they're going to pick up something that will move them towards something that they're going to achieve. Because those messages, repetition, if you look at how people we develop our habits, it's the environment and the repetition of things that are happening to us. So the more they come every week in, week out, you know, they get into the habit, you know, we come Sunday, oh, it's Shona's uh, meeting. And then yeah. they listen to things. And and you have key key messages there about, you know, the mindset, how you should, you know, 
pursue the thing that you like and what's happening. And as they constantly hear those kind of things, they become to think, they start to think differently as well. And that can help them over time as well to say, oh, wow, this has become my new environment. They are like-minded people who are heading towards success. And there's no reason why I can't as well, you know. Yeah. So sometimes it's just people getting that clarity uh, of, of thought. In terms of um, like, the, you know, the, the group that you've built and uh, whether it's the younger generation that you're looking to guide, do you have like um, a specific program that you take them through or is just speaking to them and inspiring to them as and, as and when? Like, do you have a structured program that you do with them? Um, so for the kids that I work with now or the ones that I want to work with in the future? Um, like now and, and also the future. So okay. now. Mm -hmm. um, so the young people I work with now, like I said, I am the curriculum manager. So I'm an art teacher. Um, I mm -hmm. behind. see that beautiful art behind. And I've seen some of the art you've posted in the oh, groups as well. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. So, yeah, I'm an artist. Um, so I teach that. And yeah, I, I teach GCSE and I teach arts awards and with the other, I line manage the other teachers. So they teach GCSE as well on functional skills. So that's all part of the program I do right now. Mm. But I'm more about the vocational learning, which at the moment it's hard. The way we get young people is they're excluded from mainstream school for various reasons. Mm. And really you have to get the parents permission a lot of the time for them to come to my school and yeah. a lot of parents are not happy about it unless you are offering five GCSEs which is why we do that yeah. but um, the reason why people are sent to us is because they've got a lot of other things going on like sometimes they do have special needs sometimes they're in care sometimes yeah. they've been through some trauma maybe it's just as simple as that they're parents are going through divorce and that's really stressing them out which is making them behave negatively yeah. and that means to me that maybe t doing GCSEs at that point in their life isn't actually the most important thing it's to check that they are actually okay yeah to remind them that they are allowed to enjoy life and find that passion and then follow that which is not what's happening right now um mm. I don't think in the education system in general. So that's why, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, I'm working towards that for this new school that I want to be building, which is all about just following your passions. And yeah, yeah the property school idea came about because I am interested in property. Um, so this room is my garage and I converted it into, I call it the games room, but I use I use it as my, I guess, my office space a lot of the time. So mm. the laptop is sitting on top of my pool table right now. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant. You, you, know, you, you can tell your, your creativeness with the art and all that kind of things, isn't it? It's coming through. That's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I basically, I was at work one day. I have a very stressful job. I work with kids, like I said, that, are not always the best behaved and sometimes you do get called names sometimes there are fights that you have to break up and although I love my job some days it's really hard um I don't remember what happened on this particular day but I I ended up under my desk crying I was crying my eyes out um 
and I hid there for about half an hour until somebody found me, another senior leader. And I just, I was just crying. I just, I don't know. I was just fed up. I was t exhausted, really, I guess. Um, so I was sent home, but I couldn't drive home because I was too upset. So they, it was like a TV show. They caused a diversion so that they could then get me around the outside of the school so that the kids didn't see me. Because if the kids see you crying, they're never going to let you forget that. Yeah. Um, so they put me in my friend's car, who's also one of the other managers, and she drove me home. Um, and I was told to stay off for the rest of the week. And I didn't want to. I'm a, I want to do well. I always want to succeed. I don't like to take time off. And they said, no, you need to take off a few days to just mm. recuperate. So I was at home and I, I can't sit still. I can't do nothing. I, even though I was supposed to be resting, I, I'm not good at resting. And I wanted to turn my garage into a room. We talked about it for two years. Mm. Um, so I took myself down B&Q. I got myself some stud wood. Um, I got a sledgehammer, a uh, saw, because I, I had to take down uh, like a little bit of roof. I had to take down a wall. Um, yeah. And then I rebuilt a new wall over there, put a door in it. So the room, the back of the garage is now like a shed space. Yeah. And is, yeah, this is our games room space. Um, and I basically, I didn't do it all in those three days. It took me two years of evenings and weekends, but yeah. I YouTubed how to do everything. So I found out how to build the stud wall. I then yeah. plasterboard both sides. I had to research what screws you had to use. I <laughs> I fed the cables for the electrics. I fed the cables for the lights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, what else did I do? Well, loads of stuff because I had to do a whole room, right? Um, the only thing I paid for people to do was I knocked out a bigger hole in the front because it used to be a single door and a window, whereas now yeah. it's a, a double door and then a panel either side. Yeah. So somebody else took out the wall. I didn't trust myself to do that. <laughs> um, and they checked it was safe first. They checked that yeah. the, the, the beam was safe to do that. Yeah. Um, and I also paid someone to do the plastering because yeah. I wanted to learn the plastering as well, but I know it's it's a bit of an art form to get it good. So yeah. Let me pay someone to do that. Mm. So, yeah, I turned this into this room. And as an artist, I love showing people my artwork and they look and they're like, wow, how did you yeah. do that? And growing up, I always thought to myself, well, it's easy, but I only realized in the last few years, no, that is easy for me. For it's you, yeah. Not easy for everyone. But I didn't really recognize that I had a talent. Um, I just thought that everybody thought that that was easy. Like I find writing difficult. I assumed everybody found writing difficult, but they don't. Mm. Um, so I realized that once you turn a room into a piece of art, then when people come round and they can walk into something you made, it just makes you feel so amazing to tell people like, yeah, I made this. Yeah. Um, and that's when I thought to myself, I want to do refurb projects. Yeah. And how amazing would it be to bring a young person who's given up on themselves into something like this, just a garage. And if they could take part in helping turn it into a room, 
-hmm. and they stand inside it and tell their parents or their friends, yeah, I made this. Like how amazing would that be and influential in their life just to build that confidence of you can do stuff. And that is where my big dream Mm -hmm. of the property school came from. (laughs) Wow, that's absolutely amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And I mean, just the creativity there because you're taking essentially two different worlds. I mean, for you, your passion in terms of, uh, you know, helping young kids and contributing to their development and getting them to realize their potential in whatever field and then mixing that with a, a side that can actually help them build, essentially, because, I mean, probably, you know, you can build wealth and make a, a lot of money as well. But um, you're combining those two into your passion and profession because, you you know, by the time they learn to do the art and convert these things, they can make, you know, a lot of money and they're making money in a field that they are passionate about and they are enjoying as well. And that's an absolute great mix. I mean, people will, that's the, the absolute dream for people to be pursuing and doing things that actually help them build wealth and make money. But they actually absolutely love and enjoy it as well. You know, that's, uh, you know, you, you've stumbled upon like a, a gold mine combination. There, you know? <laughs> I have to make it work, right? Yeah, so absolutely. having an idea is one thing, but mm-hmm. making it a reality is... It is a- another, yes. But, but, but here's the thing. If you're looking to pursue and make it a reality, but it's an area that you're passionate about, then those challenges are making it almost become like a, a joy. You enjoy the challenges because mm-hmm. it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, for you, with your art and creative nature, whatever it is, just like the garage, it's a perfect example there. It's not easy, you know, but you made it easy because whatever challenges and difficulties, you're actually enjoying them. You're actually looking for them to say, wow, yeah. I can actually do the plaster myself as well if I wanted to to learn it, or I can you know, break down this wall, I can feed the wires in, you know. If someone who is uh, completely not interested in property and it's not their passion, they are not going to enjoy those things. When they break down a wall and, uh, you know, it needs to be put back, it's like, oh, my God, how can I do this? I don't like it or whatever. And then they find someone and then it costs them money. But for you, it's like, oh, wow, this is a good challenge. You know, mm-hmm. What can I do with that? That's what makes the difference. And that's 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 the, the key, you know, to almost achieving anything. As long as, because just like you say, business, not just business, anything that we do in life, nothing is easy. Everything is, you know, is difficult. Mm-hmm. But if, if it's difficult, but you enjoy it, you turn the difficult into some creative uh you know challenge of some sort that that you enjoy and you know as humans we are at our most creative when we are faced with challenge so we look at challenge as something to to make us grow and and uh, you know expand our learning and, and growth so it's absolutely amazing so um within within the the property space then again because obviously there is a number of different strategies as well is there a specific area that you focus on with the kids or and do you work with other like investors or sources or to bring everything together because like you say it's hard so how what is your strategy 
and how do you make it work? So me personally getting into property, I feel like I've still got such a way to go. Um, yeah. Like I, myself, I have one buy to let and I have one essay. Um, so it's not loads, yeah. but to start. Yeah, and, uh, what I really want to do, like I said, is flip properties or I would PR them because I would like to create assets um, for a pension. That's what yeah. I would like to do for my future. Um, so what I wanted to do, this deal didn't actually work out, but I found this plot of land um, and it had been on the market for two years. And so I went to speak to the owner. It was through an agent, but I spoke to the mm. farmer and I told him all about the property school. Like yeah. I told him, this is what I want to do. And I'm hoping that I can work with the council to kind of get funding to do it. Do. Yeah. So the discussion, he really liked me. The discussions were going well. And then the discussion with the council wasn't going great. But I got investors interested because they they could see I was passionate about my property school. Yeah. And the idea was if I could have purchased this land, this farm, and if I could have worked out for a developer how they would have made their money, that they mm -hmm. would have bought the land, developed half of it or yeah. make, maybe three quarters of it to make their money back mm -hmm. and make profit, then they would have let me keep maybe an acre for myself yeah. so that I could start my property school. And it already had um, outbuildings and it, like it had a stables. And I was like, right, that will be the first project. It will be like when I turn my garage into a games room. We will turn the stables into a classroom workshop. Yeah. That will be the first thing that we do is like we won't have a school the project is that we build the school like it's that cool. will, it won't look like a normal school it will look like random <laughs> it will look cool like we would i would design it with the kids yeah um, so i was really excited about that it didn't quite work out because the land was on the green belt area ah, and, and the architect told me that was going to be too difficult to get planning permission not yeah. that it would be impossible, but it would have been difficult. Difficult, yeah. Um, so we stopped with that deal. But I I thought that was the one. I was so excited <laughs> about it. But I realized that that strategy will still work. Like, but mm -hmm. I need to, I've read, somebody spoke to me last week and they said, Shona, you want to be in the property space, but you don't have to know everything yourself. Yeah. Like, You'd need to work with other people. So Absolutely. if I, yeah, if I work with a deal sourcer that they already know how to find land that will make enough money to, mm -hmm. so that because I can get investors interested in what I want to do, so they will put the money in, I yeah. make some money back for mm -hmm. them, and then I get to do my dream. Like that's I don't need to know how to do all of it. I just have to have the idea and mm. I'm quite good at and selling the dream I guess or not selling it but expressing how passionate I am about it seems yeah. to cross quite well luckily for me so I do believe that at some point in the future hopefully in the next year mm -hmm. 
I will bring together some people. They will somehow the law of attraction will bring them to me, <laughs> and then we will together find this land. They mm. will make their money. I will get some outbuildings so I can yeah. build stuff. I'll somehow get some funding. I mean, maybe there's like some big business that if they partnered with me, that would look really good on their business. Mm-hmm. And have, um, you can save money on your tax if you like put money into a charity and stuff, right? So yeah. maybe I don't even need to work out how to make the money. Maybe there's some big company that would replace my wages so I could leave my job and build this better future for these young people because that's that's the good thing to do. Um, yeah. But when I say it like that, I, al- I almost don't quite believe it yet. I'm like, why would somebody mm-hmm. pay my wages? That, I have to, I have to just do a bit more work. <laughs> that's uh, the missing part. You need to bring that absolutely in. You need to believe it uh, like uh, as if you've already got it. You need to yeah. live and feel and breathe and you know, absolutely be with it. And that's how uh, essentially you will recognize the opportunities because all, all, all it takes is, because that's like um, a different level of thinking on the intuition side, you know, when you talk about the law of vibration and all it does is um, because it's so engrossed in your mind and you can see it and believe it, when you're moving around and you're speaking to people and things are happening, you will be, in tune to pick up even the slightest or smallest or messages or words that someone mentions mm. that immediately clicks with your dream and your idea. But uh, so my, maybe let's say you're just w- w- walking around, whether it's in the supermarket or someone, and someone is talking about uh, a piece of land or something that they are struggling with or they want to develop. Because you're so in tune with what you, you need, you'll pick up those messages and opportunities will come up and, and that, 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 that's all it takes. And you don't even have to know how and when and how that, that, that's the magic of it. You know, you just let your mind just go with it and you'll find that, you know, it will get delivered. And that's the absolute awesome. Uh, nature of how these these things work, but it's a different level of mindset and thinking to understand uh, that those kind of things happen. When they say thoughts are actually things, you know, they are just things like any uh, uh, physical object that you can hold and think. But for us to grasp those kind of things, it's it's very difficult. But for people, it's, it's it can be tricky unless you train yourself to understand that. But it's it's almost that faith and fear, you know, that belief on something which uh, you have no scientific proof. But, uh, you know, why do we fear things more than we believe in things that can actually happen? We, you know, we need to treat them equally because they start from the same point of, uh, you know, if you're fearing that you're not going to achieve it because you're thinking that uh, you've got limiting beliefs, but there's actually no scientific proof that you can't achieve it. The same way that if you believe that you can actually achieve it, there's no scientific proof, but both are based on on that that belief of something that you can't tangibly feel. So you need to treat them equally and uh, not. That even the fear of achieving it is also a huge fear as well. Mm. Like, like if somebody tomorrow 
say yeah. somebody listens to this, right? Yeah. And then they get in touch with me and they're like, Shona, I'm going to pay you to do your dream. Like, yeah. all I want you to do is put my logo on the side of your building. Yeah. That's yeah. good marketing for them. Yeah, that's all yeah. I'd have to do. Yeah. Like, would I believe it? Would I, <laughs> would I think, oh, they're trying to scam me? Yeah. What? Could I actually give in my notice at work and say I'm leaving because this person has contacted me. They're going to put my wages into my bank account without me having to come to work every day because I'm going to go be mm -hmm. doing Like, I don't know if I would even be able to accept that happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but I, I guess if you roll it back, you think, why would you not accept it? Because now you're starting to think, what are the things that are important to you? This is where we go back to our our mind. You know how we have uh, the entrepreneurial mind, we've got the caveman mind and also the emotional mind, which is like our subconscious. The caveman mind is always, uh, it's that flight and fright thing, isn't it? To always get us back to our comfort zone because anything that is unfamiliar, it's so scary. You know, at the moment you've got your job, you've got the kids and everything is familiar. Maybe you have a stable income and you pay your bills and all that. If you uproot that, all of a sudden that certainty is gone. Yeah. And the, the caveman mind doesn't like that. So it, it's always bringing in the limiting beliefs. Shona, don't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. But by you coming back to your comfort zone, you're missing out on the wonderful world of opportunities that are out there that can actually take you to wherever you need to be uh, because you've actually taken that. It, it is scary, but it's absolutely worth going in. But uh, it's, it's always like we, we always want to have like a plan that, okay, if I leave this, at least maybe as a safety net, I'm going to have A, B, C, D. Maybe you need a little bit of something to just get you ticking over. But if you surround yourself with the right network and the belief and the tribe and the mastermind and the support and the accountability, you're always going to get there. You know, because if you if you only look at the stories of the most successful people there, those people who live on the edge of the normal distribution, yeah, on the edges, yeah. If you look at their stories, they are not normal stories of someone who went to school, got a, an education, and then they started uh, uh, working in a job and they made good money. Because not everyone is going to make CEO or some rich bank and make lots of money. But people with extraordinary ordinary stories, they've, they've, uh, it's just, it's just um, a challenge that for peop most people, if you look at the percentage of the people who have broken through into massive success, they've, they've, it's happened because uh, some sort of a crisis has happened at some point in their life. So either they got made redundant at a job and then ooh, all of a sudden, wow, that that thing is taken away. So there's, it's no longer an option. So they have to look and do something else and then they get to achieve something. Uh, or else maybe, you know, the death of a loved one and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, life is, is different or can some other big life-changing uh, event like a divorce or something and all of a sudden, oh, wow, I have to do something else. But it, 
in the normal course of people just staying in their zone, like, you know, they've got a good job, they've got a mortgage and they're paying their house. Most people would not jump and do anything else because they are stable, they are comfortable. And that's where the curve my mind wants to keep you. you know? yeah. And it's difficult for people to recreate a challenge or, or a crisis in their mind artificially because it doesn't exist. So yeah, it, that, that's one of the mindset challenges that you would, you would face. I am, um, so I did have a bit of a, I mean, I was already on this journey and that's why mm. I booked my assessment for my head teacher qualification in September. So mm. by the end of this year, I should be qualified. But yeah. I did, a few months ago, I did have something happen in mm. my family which might have meant that me or my partner had to give up their job. Mm. And that was scary. And also I was like, if only I'd started this journey a bit earlier, maybe I would already be in that place now. Yeah. Yeah. That I would be self-employed and things would be different. But there's no point thinking, oh, I should have done this or I could have done it earlier because I haven't. This is where I am now. Mm. And and I'm trying, like I said, I started the deal sourcing thinking, oh, I can make money like that. But I was speaking to somebody last week and they said to me, Shona, what you want to do is amazing. And like I said, I could work with other people to do the property stuff yeah. that all know. But they were like, if you need to make money now, then use the assets you already have. And I was like, what do you mean? And it was like, well, you're trying to be a deal sourcer, but you don't have really the experience in yeah. that. He's yeah. like, you do have experience of being an artist and having like special needs and understanding young people with special needs. And I also have experience of being a parent with a child that has some difficulties. Mm. He's like, use that. So I'm currently creating a art course, which is specifically for parents who need a way of, uh, getting out of their everyday life through creativity. And it's me explaining how I use art as an outlet. Yeah. And I didn't really think about how that might resonate with other people before, but he's been helping me see, like, that's my truth. Like, there's no lie in it. That's when I talk about that, I know it inside out because it's my life. Whereas deal sourcing is something I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, and if I could make that work, if I could sell these courses, then I could replace my income and then I could use that money to live out the dream. Mm. Um, so that may or may not know that let's be positive. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And that should mean, like I said, in the mm. next year, I should be in a very different place to where I am now. Mm. <laughs> well, then that's an absolute golden nugget there and it's just amazing that piece of advice because in a situation when a lot of people are in uh overwhelm or they lack clarity of what the next step is or what to do next that is the great piece of advice whilst you're in the zone of what can i do or how can i get abcd just look at what you have now and what you can do and mm -hmm. that will actually immediately start getting you something you know, and that's absolutely makes makes sense. You know, aside to like the fact that, you know, you can work with other people's specialist knowledge later on to actually build uh, the property side or whatever. 
but you have already the experience and the networking power and how people are drawn to you because of your personality and you know working with people use that and and you're absolutely following great advice there you know creating that course and it's something that you're already good at you know and you're passionate about and you're just going to do well and there's actually a demand for that you know there's a lot of people looking for help in that particular field so that's a, an absolute great example of, you know, in the midst of any overwhelm that is what what you should do just do immediately with the things that you already know and are good at and follow that and you know on the on the property side like we said because essentially you know in property in most cases you need three things you know your time the money and also the experience or knowledge but all these three things doesn't they don't actually necessarily have to be yours like you know you use other people's money you leverage other people's knowledge and experience and their time as well like like you know they were telling you you can use other sources who have spent the time to look and analyze the deals and they just bring them to you and then you can find the investors who buy into your dream they bring the money in and then you know the experienced people who know about you know the planning and the laws and they can do yeah. it as well yeah and all those and you sit in the middle and bring everything together so and you know they can get on to do and bring that to reality while you pursue the things that are passionate to you about bringing the kids and teaching them and authors so those things can exist and come together it doesn't have to be one at the expense of the other but it's just absolutely touched upon an important point there about if you want something of the now yeah look into what you're good at and what you can do and you can absolutely excel in that as well so it's absolutely amazing hearing you uh, do that so um we get to understand your dream and what you want to do you know build the school and teach the kids so beyond that like if you look at like a 5 or 10 year time frame what does that whole dream look like then that's a good question because sometimes i just see the property school is the end but it's not hopefully that's very near in the future um, so in okay so in three years time within the next two to three years yeah. i want to have the first property school up and running and get to a place where i'm confident that it's working it's successful yeah i, I want to move to colchester is probably where i'm going to move um, oh, yeah. okay. away from london i don't want to be in london i i think it's quite detrimental sometimes to people's well-being i like to be out in the country yeah um, I like to be in the fresh air so i'm going to move further away and i would like to then the property school doesn't need to be a set location it could be in refurb projects yeah. so bringing in investment money and i'm buying a new bit of land or a new house yeah. and then I get young people from schools maybe it's maybe i don't have a whole school maybe i just take kids for a month so yeah take part like my school can be anywhere and if i can make it work once twice yeah. then i could actually help other people around the country make it work because the type of young people that i work with exist all over the country yeah um, it's just these are the ones i work with right now 
and I have lots of people that understand what I'm talking about. Lots of people that work with kids that don't fit mainstream education. Yeah. And they they talk to me about how they believe in what I'm doing. And if I could then use my knowledge to help them do the same thing, I could be helping people get out of their job to do their passion and just yeah. help more kids. And that would be amazing. I do, like I said, I do also want to build some physical assets. So I want to build a portfolio of my own alongside it. Yeah. So that eventually I'll get to a point where I'm not in the business as much, right? I might just be making sure it happens. It's happening, yeah. Yeah. And if I'm the one with the vision and I can bring those bits together, then this is a mindset thing I've only got recently as well. Like it's okay to not be in it all the time, to be the person that brings it together. Because if you don't have that person that's going to bring it together, then it's never going to happen. So, yeah, that's where I'd like to be. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's uh, absolutely, I mean, you know, when when you study success principles, it's all about that. I mean, I remember one of my mentors, he, he mentioned to me that, if you can't take yourself out of uh, your business for anything, minimum of six weeks or so, and go away somewhere and come back and your operational business is still running, then you almost have another job. So bringing in uh, systems and making sure things are running properly while you're still in there, bringing the business development side and the vision and you do the key result areas, is absolutely key as well to make sure that everything is, is is running properly. So all that feeds into like the vision, like you're saying. So making it all happen, but also uh, making sure you can live the life of your dreams as well, making difference to people, having the financial and the time freedom to do also the things that other things that you like to do, like you know, travel or even take this. Uh, global to other countries that you can make the same impact as well you know that can become your 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 challenge and your ambitions can keep growing mm. Say, okay i've achieved this maybe you take even these kids and uh, get them to teach other people or show the other kids even outside this country maybe in africa or in asia say look you know you can also impact the world at a global scale and show them that as well. So, but as you grow, both in your uh, knowledge and mindset and wisdom, as well as the assets and the wealth and the money to help you achieve that, because it gives you all sorts of options, then your ambitions become bigger as well. You want to impact more people. You want to impact the world and global. And that's just a natural progression. So that's absolutely amazing. And uh, um, sometimes, like for me, I can see and tell because I, I don't know whether you remember, but those, all those, um, the last year or before, you would you would put up uh, like a Facebook live or whatever, and I would, you know, join in and just listen to you. And intuitively, I could see there's something special and different about yeah. you, <laughs> you know. And then I follow you and I can see you're absolutely going places because you demonstrate all the success principles of successful people in the sense that 
you embark on a journey, you don't necessarily have to know all the pieces of how you will get there. You just need that belief and the small steps because a journey of uh, a million or a thousand steps starts with the first one. And when you're building a brand, yeah, a brand is not a a, a quick thing, like you're gonna become a, a household name in a, a month or a week or a year or something. It's something that you build up over time. Um, and you look at the likes of Napoleon here, it took him, was it about 20 years or so to build up his book? Uh, but then when eventually it was finished, it made him millions. But after spending so much time to get there, it's the mm -hmm. same like, you know, people perfect their craft in whether speaking or something, and it takes them a long time. But mm -hmm. then in one speech, like uh, I had a mastermind with uh, Rob Moore, you probably Rob Moore from Progressive, yeah. was telling how recently he got his biggest paycheck on one speech of 125,000 pounds, you know, from one speech. Imagine <laughs> that has happened by him building a brand which has taken time, but the payoff is now massive just by speaking for an hour. Or, you know, by the time you build up a bigger portfolio, you can probably speak for a million pounds just for an hour. Imagine, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It was actually his, um, when I started my Facebook group, it was because last August he ran in his, uh, he has another group that you pay like three pounds to be like a month to be part of the supporters program. Yeah, the supporters, yeah. yeah. And they ran an event for a week, which is about social media. Mm. And I, there were like three lives a day. I remember I was, I was on holiday with my family and they were annoyed because every four hours I had to go on and listen. And, uh -huh. and that was actually what kick-started me into start my Facebook group. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I see yeah. that what that was. Yeah, so it's you see. Until now, <laughs> <laughs> but you see, even when you look back in, in your group, you know, because obviously some of the people who have come in the group are people who have probably made an impact with you some you're probably gonna work with and all sorts yeah. when you started the group you didn't know that yeah you didn't know who you was gonna come in your group and what impact they're gonna make and that's the same now going forward again in a year's time how big is your group gonna be and who is gonna come in there to actually make that impact and that in itself, just knowing that in itself is so exciting to say the possibilities are endless. You know, when I started my podcast, you know, about a year or so ago, I didn't know who I was going to interview there. But there have been some amazing people, the likes of Dr. John DiMartini, you know, Gerard Ratner. You know, I had the privilege of speaking to these people on my podcast, the likes of Rob Moore. Amazing brains. And now, when I look forward, who is it that I'm going to speak to? You know, I've got big ambitions myself. I think, you know, so and so is going to come on my podcast and so on. And that's just an amazing feeling when you put yourself in there. You look forward to the amazing possibilities of the things that you can achieve. And that can be quite inspiring in itself. You know, so, yeah, absolutely amazing to see where you're going and your journey and all that so thank you and it's um, 
I didn't I didn't realize actually you've been watching me for like the two years I've been on my journey so that's quite interesting because um, people I don't always notice how different I am but yeah. other people tell me because yes. I even though I post like all the time then when I talk to people and I'm like oh you actually already know half the stuff I'm telling you because you've been watching me talk about it yeah. for the last year, so that's it feels weird um yeah mm -hmm. it's kind of cool and i think it really helps uh like tell your truth yeah. when you've been when you've been in the public eye on social media to only a small group of people but mm -hmm. they can see that what you're talking about is the same thing like it's yeah. not if you're trying to be somebody that you're not it's not going to work you just no. have to tell your truth and that's it yeah, because the, the power is in your authentic you, isn't it? And your story. And that's what people gravitate towards, you know, not be somebody else and all of that. Um, I remember I had uh, uh, Elliot Kay, he talks about being more giraffe, like, you know, giraffe is all different. And that's what you have to be, like yourself, and your power is in your story, mm -hmm. you know, uh, looking at your story and your journey, you know, from uh, another condition like the dyslexia dyslexia and ADD, but still, you know, your artistic nature and all of that. That's, there's a lot of power in your story, you know, even looking at that background and the art there, you know, so much, you know, such a rich story in itself. So you need to capitalize and work on that so that you can bring it out more to people because there'll be hundreds and thousands and millions of people who will relate to that. And it will inspire them to say, actually, you know, ADD or dyslexic people can achieve amazing things. Look at Shona, you know. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's yeah. the amazing power in your story and everyone's story, you know, is, is unique. You just need to um, craft it and put it and understand it in a way that brings out the authentic you and then it gets to inspire the people as well. So, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this evening, you know, it's been yeah. awesome. <laughs> so um, I'm sure as we go along, we'll be touching base as well, just getting updates about how you're going. And then you know, probably some people listen to this podcast and just say, wow, actually, Shona is, I know what she's looking for. Maybe I can work with her on ABCD. Maybe yeah. they already have a site or they have something. So. You know, putting yourself out there as well, you know, the power of social media and, and people is just amazing, you know. So, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. So I um, wanted to finish by just um, tapping into you as a person. We play this uh, the, this or that game. Do you know the this or that game? Oh, I'm excited. I like games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. All right. So I will say two things you have to pick as quickly as possible without too much thinking about it. Which one is you? Yeah. So if I say uh, cat or dog. Okay, which... a cat. cat. I don't yeah. know why I said cat. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't have a dog, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, something like that. You you probably you directly think, oh, how, why did I say that? So that will probably be you. So okay, so if we say tea or coffee, tea. Yeah, tea person. Okay. Uh, 
I hate coffee. It stinks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not uh, grown enough yet to have coffee. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Beach or mountain? Mountain. I don't like sand in my toes. And my family live in Cornwall, but. Mm -hmm. Sorry, do you want me to explain my answer or do you want me just to give the answer? No, you can explain, absolutely. <laughs> and when, yeah, so every every summer we used to go to Newquay in Cornwall mm -hmm. and one summer my aunt told me she saw a jellyfish in the sea and I was petrified. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really scared of going in the sea unless I'm like in a, like a suit, like all booted. Mm -hmm. I get <laughs> that sounds so silly, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's a great story. Okay. Um, so a text or a call? Mm, a text. Text, yeah. Unless it's a video call. I like to be able to see the – I have a thing where I read a lot of people's body language and their facial expressions, so I don't like phone calls because I can't see the person I'm talking to. So during lockdown, when video calls became really big, I actually really liked that because it meant that I spoke to more people. Hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, drama or comedy? Drama. Drama, eh? You are like a period drama. I do watch a lot of period dramas. And comment, yeah. my own friend watches lots of comedy, but I yeah. don't find them funny. I, I find it... <laughs> I don't know. I have a weird sense of humor. I don't, if somebody tells me something's going to be funny, I automatically am like, I bet I won't find it funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Um, true story or reality TV? True story. I hate reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> because there's too many programs where people are like, it's all about the makeup and how you look and how many times you've been to the gym and mm -hmm. everything is about sex appeal. Yeah. And I, I think it's really detrimental to young people that they don't have an understanding of actually that's yeah. not real life. And it's becoming more and more of people's real life. And I don't think that's good for their well-being at yeah. all. Yeah. Programs like Love Island and all those yeah. kind of programs. Yeah, my, my daughter's 14 and yeah. I, I don't let her watch that, but all her friends talk about it and she wants to oh, watch fine. it. And I'm like, no, like you do not need to be thinking that that's who you need to be because you don't. Um, yeah. Things should not be about the way that you look. So when I was growing up, sorry, I'm talking too much, aren't I? No, 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 I'm absolutely, I'm loving it. Okay, when I was growing up, um, like I'm a, I'm a tomboy, right? So I, I always used to wear, I still do, I wear men's clothes. Yeah. And now that's just normal for me. I just walk into the men's section, I pick whatever I want to wear. Yeah. And people don't even notice that I'm wearing men's clothes. They just think that's what Shona wears, you know? They, yeah. <laughs> um, but when I was a kid, I found it really hard to, if somebody, say there was a party. Yeah. And all the other girls would be wearing dresses or really tight clothing that showed off their body. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. And so I had the choice. Do I wear what I want to wear and look different to everybody else? Yeah. Or do I wear what they wear and feel really uncomfortable? Yeah. And 
in reality, what used to happen is I used to have a lot of breakdowns and end up, I would, I would just break down crying and not be able to go out because I mm. couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable enough to be myself because yeah. everybody else thought it was so important to be the same. I mean, and it's, yeah. and it's only now as an adult that I can be really confident and being like, well, this is what I'm going to wear. Yeah. And, and I'm going to look good in what I want to wear. And you can wear whatever you want because actually if you all look the same, mm -hmm. I'm probably actually judging you rather than me being worried about you judging me because I don't see why you need to follow the crowd yeah. instead of wearing what you want to wear. But it took years and years to get to that place. You see, imagine if you had grasped that mindset at that early age, you know, what difference it would have made. But uh, yeah, it's it's just that argument about nurture versus nature, isn't it? Like how your environment gets to shape you in some way or another, because you can't reconcile. You want to be your authentic self, but then how do you ignore and write off all the messages about they're gonna either bully you or say this and that and all of that? If you can clear your mind to understand that that doesn't matter, it's probably a reflection of them you know, and see it for what it is. But at that mm -hmm. early age, it's very difficult to, to see that. But these I, are... The, mm -hmm. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, and, and these are the things that you can start teaching the kids now, like the ones that you impact as well, that, you know, they just need to be authentic. So, so yeah, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, like, sometimes now I do wear girls' clothes and I will wear makeup sometimes. Mm. And, yeah, I can look good. like. And then people say to me, oh, wow, Shona, you look really nice. But also what they don't realize is when people give you a compliment like that, they're actually making you realize that you don't look nice the rest of the time. Mm. And they're not doing it on purpose. A lot of people, they think they're being really nice, but they don't understand the back, the backlash the back, that it has yeah. on people's feelings. Like it happens all the time. I hear people go, oh, you look like you've lost weight. It's like, well, why did you have to say that? Because yeah. what you've actually done is triggered in their head, oh, I normally look fat. Like, you do. Yeah. I much prefer that people compliment people based on their actions rather than the way that they look. That they look. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But then at the level that you're at, you can appreciate the 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 gap in the knowledge and understanding and mindset of them versus where you are because just yeah. like you say you can understand at some level why they are saying and thinking that because they are missing that understanding that actually mm. it's probably not the right thing to say or whatever so for you you just appreciate it for what it is you don't you know maybe not take it you know whichever way because you understand that they are trying to be nice but in a way they don't understand that it's not mm. the right thing to do. Saying it to you because you're so advanced in mindset, you understand. But if it was someone else who don't and is not at the same level of understanding like you, it could offend them or even, you know, have a, a negative impact on how they feel about themselves and all this kind of thing. So yeah, being sensitive about what we say, how we see people and all that. You know, from a human behavior point of view, it's fascinating to study as well how and why people do and say certain things. You know? But we are constantly evolving and understanding people and, you know, behavior. So 
interesting. So uh, just a few more. Um, dinner or breakfast? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Lunch. No. <laughs> no, actually snacks. I know that's not one of the But I will always, look, I was eating these. You know, when you went offline, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I want, that's going to be on the recording, right? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I struggle to eat because I'm supposed to eat. I love to snack all snack. the time. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. So, um, snack. So, um, adventure or a night in? Adventure. I haven't. I feel like I haven't adventured enough. But mm -hmm. in the last few years, I really enjoy experiences. So, mm -hmm. this thing I like to go to. It's called Secret Cinema, and yeah. it's where you. They take a film and you you purchase your ticket and you're going to watch the film, but they give you, they email you a character and they give you a name and they tell you what to wear and they tell you where you could buy the clothes if you wanted to or you can get your own. And you turn up to this event as the character. Oh. And the actors there that they act out different scenes and you become part of the theatre experience. And then you eat there, you drink there, and then you watch the film at the end. Like, so I love that. But uh, Go Ape as well is another thing where you like climb oh. trees and then you go across bridges and zip wires. Like, yeah. yeah. So I love to do things and experience things. And experience. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So last but not least, you have to think about this one quite carefully. Yeah. Okay. Hope or freedom? <laughs> mm, that's a big one, yeah? I think yeah. I'm probably privileged to a point where I feel like I've got more freedom than some people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that allows me to have hope for... Yeah goals that I want whereas some people's goals may be be as free as I am now yeah um, and that's made me think a lot about other people actually and about caring mm. about other people's situations other people. yeah yeah um, like it, it, it can be a delicate balance isn't it because when you have that hope then you have something to look forward to which will carry you forward but also you need the freedom to be able to do the things that you like but you can be free but no hope of achieving certain things so maybe can one exist without the other hmm, that's an interesting one yes <laughs> so i like I'm gay, so I came out as gay when I was 16, and mm. I live in a country where I can say that. And yeah. even though some people will not approve, yeah, the society we live in in general uh, respects that. Respect, um, really. Yeah, but mm. I, for example, my neighbours that just moved in are also lesbians, and they're telling me like in there they can't go home to their country because yeah. they will be murdered. 
I yeah. can't even anticipate like how that must feel mm. to not think that you can go visit your family because and then yeah you're not safe to do that and um, so that yeah I feel very privileged mm. to not have to worry about that yeah yeah absolutely yeah that that's that's interesting I remember like when I had this uh, discussion with um, Dr. John Martini about all these kind of things, I think specifically uh, we talked about how the people who have the most power are the ones who drive the agenda and everyone else follows, and how over time things actually evolve depending on it's It's like a, a power struggle because the same things, if you look, now in one part of the world like in the kingdoms of uh, swaziland or somewhere in africa for people to you know the men they can marry more than one wife like have like five six or more and that's like tradition and that is fine and that's how they define their power to get people to actually follow and that's a tradition but if you move the other side of the world like here you know, just to have a second wife, you can go to prison and all of that. <laughs> but it wasn't always like that. And how things are evolving and things. So the more of the stories, if you want any particular area, because, you know, you have the seven areas of life, like, you know, your social, spiritual, financial, and all the other ones. If you don't empower yourself in any particular area, somebody is going to come and overpower you, you know. So that's quite a key, uh, important message for people to realize. So any area of your life that you want to have power on, make sure you empower yourself so that you don't get overpowered by somebody else. <clears throat> so social, spiritual, financial, and all those kind of areas, because it's all power-driven in a way. So it's quite important, like like you say, in you know, in any particular area, you know, just make sure you take charge of your life in you know, as much as the environment will allow you, you know, take the freedoms that are there and use them to your advantage to help you advance your agenda and how you can also use that to help people as well. So quite very important message. So yeah, Shona, absolute pleasure speaking to you tonight. So if people are looking to find you, speak mm -hmm. to you or how can they track you down <laughs> <laughs> the best way is yeah. to uh look me up on facebook yeah. uh, shona l Fimister. Yeah. i had to change the name because i work in a school and at the time i didn't want my kids uh googling me and finding me but now i'm all over social media so they yeah, will. <laughs> yeah um but and join my group heading for property success and then yeah. come to one of my free sunday networking events and i'll be there hosting yeah. and yeah. i will say to you how are you what have you been up to and you can yeah. of my my chat my my yeah. tribe um that that yeah. is the best way to chat to me yeah to <laughs> okay brilliant no thank you very much shona it's been an absolute pleasure speaking yeah. to you I've been going for over an hour and a half, just you know, yeah. that's a <laughs> how easy it is to speak to you. It's amazing. You normally interview for that long. Uh, no, no, yeah. no, so it's usually like 45 minutes. Or oh, wow. I talk a lot, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. which is a good thing, you know. So, 
we'll probably we'll see maybe cut this into two episodes or just carry it as one we'll just see how how it goes but yeah lots of golden nuggets you know uh speaking to you such an inspiring story and uh yeah a lot of people are gonna just you know be inspired by your story and uh, like i say at various points over the coming months year or whatever we'll come back and uh yeah we'll reflect on the journey where you are and where you're heading or the successes challenges and uh yeah everything in between so it will be an absolute pleasure catching up with and, uh, you have to let me in the next couple of weeks interview you about your story because i want to really yes yeah that that's what I, I thought as well yeah that uh, i think it's worked well here just capture your side and then yeah we can come back and talk talk about um myself as well and uh, how we can share that as well with the you know the rest of the tribe out there yeah but uh, yeah so yeah shona absolute pleasure so thank you and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, i'm off to bed yeah <laughs> yeah it is late now isn't it yeah but uh, thank you so much it's, it, this has been really nice thank you and um, i've spoken some of these things i've spoken about in the past but not everything so you've definitely got some extra things yeah. out well done well done <laughs> no, absolutely it's, it's always good i always say to people look at this as uh even like 20 50 100 years down the line you know they great 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 grandchildren they get to listen to this and you know it will give them an insight into who shona was and high experience and life and that's just an absolutely amazing thing so all these digital assets of the story and the life how you capture it it's it's quite an amazing asset to have i think and you've told your story in such an amazing way so i really appreciate that so We'll let you go to bed and then we'll catch up soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Donna. Bye. Bye.